about that. I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. She uh, is enjoying being home. Look at that. Coach, how was the uh, the first two weeks of practice gone, uh, preseason? Uh, how did everything look? Um, where do you feel you're at right now in terms of where you would like to be? I think we're in a pretty good place right now. We, uh, you know, we had a couple of couple of unexpected. I think as everybody goes through, it's not uncommon. A couple of guys decide not to play uh, when we got to week one, and you know, it was a couple guys that, that we were kind of counting on to to be on the field on at least one side of the ball. So. Um, you know, we, we've spent a little bit of time in the preseason trying to evaluate some other guys at those positions, and we still have a few position battles, really, uh, that, that I'm not sure they got resolved this weekend because both guys played played pretty well uh, in some of those spots. But, uh, you know, overall, we've, we've done a – you know, coaches have done a good job at installing our defensive uh, package and, and uh, you know, getting, getting some guys ready on the depth chart. Um, and, uh, you know, our offensive staff has done a nice job um, – you know, putting in, uh, you know, our base formations and plays and runs and passes, all that stuff. Uh, we've, we've done a good job at getting stuff in. So uh, we're probably a little ahead of where we've been uh, maybe the last couple of years because we've got some guys who really have been around this system uh, for a long time. So we feel pretty good in that regards. We feel like, you know, uh, physically we're in pretty good shape. Um, you know, we're going to play at a pretty high tempo, and uh, that requires you to be in good physical condition. So we've, we feel like we're on our way there. And, uh, you know, we had a scrimmage with Winthrop, and, uh, that that was it was a good scrimmage. A pretty physical team. Winthrop is. Um, they had some big tight ends and and some big linemen. Uh, so that was a good you know kind of a good matchup for us there. I, I thought we played pretty well. You know some mistakes as you would expect, but uh, overall pretty good. And and then you know we had a good this week good weekend this weekend over at Oak Hill. Uh, the offense looked pretty crisp. Um, you know the the defense was pretty stout. We gave up one you know one kind of big play on defense that led to their score. Um, but we're pretty pleased on both sides of the ball and actually pretty pleased with our special teams uh, play, which is, you know, that, that one's kind of the thing that's left behind in the preseason. Lots of times in the exhibition game, you don't even go live on some of those, but uh, we went live on them for the first half, and, and we felt like our coverage teams and our block teams were pretty good. So we're pretty happy with, with where we are. Yeah, I was there for the scrimmage. I, I, well, I stayed for the first half. I had some other things going on, but uh, I agree. Uh, I thought the offense looked uh, very good. I thought they made good adjustments to what Oak Hill was doing. Uh, I thought defensively, like you say, a couple little breakdowns, but things you would expect early early season. That's why you have the exhibition game. Right. So you can look at it on film, show your kids, and, and then adjust from there. Yep. Uh, any new additions to your staff this year, Mike? Uh, we've got uh, Mike Marston on our staff this year. So Mike uh, has been all over Maine coaching. Uh, you know, he's head coach at Mesolonsky and Skowhegan and uh, coach at Maine Maritime for a while, Colby, I think, for a while. Assistant at Winslow, I think. Yep, assistant at Winslow when we played him in the state game those two years. He was the, the defensive coordinator on the other side. So, uh, yeah, Mike's uh, he worked with our middle school program a little bit last year, and now he's up with the high school program this year. He's part of our defensive staff. Uh, does a lot of game planning with Coach Bonavi and Coach Gray. And and then, uh, you know, we had added uh, Coach County um, a year or two ago, too. So, you know, Bill's back. And uh, those are the two guys in the booth, so. Uh, when, oh, you, wow. when you can put a couple of those, you know, guys like that up top, uh, that that helps out quite a bit. I was trying to think, does Coach, because I, I went to do the career day at the middle school last year. Does Mike have a stepson that's in yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hunter Hayes, he's he's a freshman for us. Um, he's going to be, he's our backup quarterback. Um, huh? And he hey. actually got on the field. He, he plays in... Uh, you know, we have some some personnel packages, and he's kind of part of a part of one of those packages. So, uh, he actually played quite a bit out there as a 
you know, he kind of lines up in some different spots in that particular package, right. tailback and in the slot and out wide, and uh, he can do some different things. So we're trying to get him on the field that way, and he's also our, our third safety. So uh, please summon the nickel package, and uh, he's gonna, really going to be a really good football player. He's got right. some stuff to learn, but a uh, great athlete, great kid. Love it, head football coach Mike Hathaway in the studio here on the B-List. Mike, any dramatic changes? You know, we, we kind of, as coaches, we kind of adjust our – style of play to what we have you got the big bruising fullback well we're going to line up maybe and run the ball a little bit more or whatever any specific changes i mean i don't want to get into the yeah. what you're going to do for the other team to listen right to, no, no, no. um you know i mean we're deeper in the backfield than we've we've been in a while i mean we, we really just in the first half of the other day had two two different backfields we started the game that way and then the rest of the half we went personnel groups that we have set up that are kind of dictated by formation um and, and you know, I, we can play at a higher tempo um, and, and use the no huddle more and, and uh, you know, really try to play fast. Um, and we just have such a, a versatile group. Uh, you know, the, the two big tight ends, you know, Cam Jordan and Cole Morin, those guys are 6'5". And, and then we have some slot receivers who are really quick. So it's just allowing us to do some different things. So I don't think it's anything different. Just we're, we're probably a little more diverse and, and, a, and a little bit better tempo there. And you know, we're not as big up front in the O-line as we've been in some past years. We've got a couple of smaller guys up there, but they're, they're tough guys. And, um, you know, so you, you adjust a little bit that way. And, you know, with, with the quarterback being more of a perimeter runner, I think we talked about that the last time I was here. You know, we've adjusted some of our option game to fit more what Wyatt does than, than what Timmy does. Um, so, yeah. on, on the defensive side, if a team is running no huddle and they're trying to hurry up and change the pace, What's that duty of defense? Does that mean you have to stay in a base defense, or do you? Is it still allow you to run your, all your defenses? Well, we we've been working on it this week already, and, and we did last week. Oak Hill's a no huddle team as well, so we, we got a taste of it last week. And MCI, um, you know, they, they're not a super fast no huddle, but they don't huddle. You know, they they they're probably no huddle about seventy five percent of the time. Muddle so, huddle, whatever they. Yeah, call they, you know, they're kind of up on the up on the ball, and then they look at some boards and some signals on the sideline, and, and then they run their play. Um, but you know what? One thing we did was uh, we taught everybody on we teach everybody on defense our hand signals now instead of just like we would on offense. So all the defenders look to the sideline, you know, and they just all are getting the signal from our two coaches over there that signal in. Uh, so you know, not huddling and not being able to communicate in the huddle, everybody's got to look and see the sign and then deploy themselves. I don't think it makes us, you know, I mean, we practice it so that we don't have to be more vanilla. I think if if, if you know, you can be forced into that if you don't work on it. Um, but, you know, we will no huddle against our, our defense in practice and make them switch up their calls and things like that. Sometimes what it does is, you know, you, you have some things built in maybe by formation, like, you know, maybe on the backside of trips. Sometimes you like to send that guy off the edge, and sometimes you like to drop him into the coverage. And what we end up doing in those situations is let the players decide more on their own on that. So, you know, if we have a certain call and they come out in this formation – you know, linebacker might be able to say, I'm going to blitz on this one, I'm going to drop on the next one. And we let them make those decisions instead of us sometimes. So I was telling the Maddie when I first came in, listening, I went to the interview Bruce Nicholas at Lewiston. Mm-hmm. And at the end of practice, Augusta Blank, as you know, is the new defensive coordinator. Yep. And he was doing exactly that. All right, they're going to line up in this formation. And he said to the kids, so what are they going to do out of this? Made them think about, oh, wow, that formation is made for... Right. And therefore, I can stunt, you know, that exactly what you just said. I love that kind of coaching because it does two things. It, it makes them more responsible, but it also uh, gives them some freedom 
to do what makes sense. You right. you can't yell that in, and you nope. can't signal it in once it's ready to go. At the last minute, they have to make those decisions, and I really do like that that kind of a philosophy. Yeah, like it, you it, if you're going to do that, you got to practice that way. Sure. So you know, that, I think that's the key is making sure you build it into your practice so that by the end of the week. Uh, that's not a problem. And then, you know, I, we told our kids yesterday, if you know what you're doing, you can play real fast and real aggressive. And, you know, MCI is a, a much bigger team than us, I would say, all over the field. So, you know, for us, we, you know, we got to play fast and aggressive if we're going to beat them. So I was saying, if you, like you said, if you're going to do that, you got to take it all the way. Even if you're going to signal in things, I used to stand off from the huddle when we were practicing and signal because I'm not going to tell them what the play right. is. I got to signal it in and, and, uh, yeah, those are good. Yeah, I mean, we, we've switched up our conditioning period on Monday. It used to be a lot of, you know, gasser-type running where you run in the width of the field and jogging some and sprinting some or whatever. And, uh, you know, yesterday we lined up our offense and, you know, you, you went 20 yards, you know, five plays for 20 yards, scored, and then turned around and did it again. And then we ran in another personnel group and did it again. And we just did that for half an hour yesterday. And our kids were more tired from that than, sure. than they would be from doing what we normally would do. But we also got a half an hour of... Sure. You know, we're all our base plays are down, and now you know we can spend Tuesday working on some finer details. So, what's the right. plan for a day like today, where we're supposed to be, say, I don't know, hot as hell outside? <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> well, you usually get greeted at the door by the athletic director telling right. you to, you know, make sure that you account for it. But uh, we'll, you know, the beginning part of our practice on Tuesdays is a lot of special teams work. Uh, so we're going to do a lot of that work with uh, without helmet and shoulder pads on today. Uh, so we'll we'll probably cut their time in pads down by about half today uh, in the practice, and um, you know we we never go full full contact on Tuesdays anyways. Wednesday is kind of our full contact day where we'll block live and get a little bit of tackling in, uh, but we'll probably do something similar tomorrow where you know there'll be a, a part of the peri- a part of the practice where we're we're unpadded and then a part where we are. I see there was already a post today. You posted that a school uh, is going to postpone their. Yeah, soccer games. Yeah, Lawrence has postponed it. Poland actually just moved their uh, football practice. Lincoln um, Academy. From 5 p.m. to 6.30. So, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of... Yeah, I think that was the other thing we talked about this morning with the athletic director was going a little bit later tomorrow. So, we may even go under the lights tomorrow night and just kind of back practice up a little bit so we're not right in the the afternoon. Excellent. Nice. Good. And all your coaches ready to go? You know, (laughs) all 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 15 of them, I think they're ready. All 15. It's behind to keep them all busy, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, the the calling of the plays with the no huddle is quite a production, you know, because you have to, you know, we talk about this as coaches all the time. You have to make sure that the other team doesn't know what you're doing, and you have to make sure somebody scouting the game couldn't look and see and figure out what you're doing. So I always use Mike Marston as a test. Like, if Mike Marston can watch us in a game for four plays and he doesn't have it down, then we're probably all right. The rest of the world's not going <laughs> to, you know, not going to figure it out. So that... You know, it takes a few people because, you know, so some guys are live and some guys aren't. It's not, you know, like the old days where one coach could just signal it in and, and you run it because, you know, they're not videotaping you, but they're they're definitely, you know, guys are watching for sure. So, you know, I mean, everybody, we kind of lay it out at the beginning of the year. Everybody on the staff has a role and, you know, they know what that is. And on game day, they're responsible for a certain thing and they're supposed to stick to that certain thing. And you know, now, do you do goes. wristbands with your signals? Uh, we, or it's yeah, all signals for the... Some of our kids, uh, our receivers have wristbands on, um, but it's not really... They're more reminders on there than anything else. The, you know, certain plays, there's just reminders for certain positions on there uh, with the skill guys. So it, it might be, a, you know... A route combination or, or it might be on some particular run plays this is when they chip with another guy or, or whatever but it's it's more just a 
a reference for them than anything else. When we call the plays, they're just, you know, there's, there's some, I don't want to give everything away, but there's, you know, we have, uh, we have some numbers on the side. We have some uh, words over there. We have some pictures over there, and we have some hand signals over there. So there's, there's really four things going on there's at once there. Quite and, a production, like you said. Uh, it, it is, and, you know, it, we'll see. I've, I've asked in the Lobster Bowl. I always ask the other players from other teams, like, do you guys, you know, have you guys looked How over there? And, and the answer I get the most is there's so much going on over there, you can't tell. And, yeah. You know. I, seriously, I was sitting across from you Saturday. Yep. And one of the coaches' wives was sitting next to me, and I kept looking, thinking, "No, I haven't got it. Whatever, whatever it is." I, I told the story to to Maddie when I first started coaching baseball. I was an assistant at Bangor, Bob Kelly, the great yep. Bob Kelly. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if we hadn't covered. He covered the signs with me, and that's about it. So all of a sudden, things happen during the game, and Kelly's over there. I don't know, scratching his butt. I don't know what the hell he's doing. And so I finally said, about halfway through the game, I said, "I went over. I said, Kel." I, I'm not picking up the sides. The whole bench started laughing. And I'm looking at them like, what are they laughing about? And Kel said, no, what I say is bunt like that. And the guy on the end of the bench is giving the signal. There you go. I mean, it took me the whole, half the game to realize he wasn't really giving the signals. Yep. And, the baseball side, that's a whole other world, no, too. Boy, I, when it? I coached with Fairchild at Oak Hill, <laughs> like our, our sign system was like a Jedi mind trick. Like I, I'm not even sure you know, how kids figure it out. And then other times I've been with some coaches who were so simple it was – Ridiculous. We had a, a, a coach who wasn't the first base or third base coach, and he would stand at the top of the dugout with a bat in his hand. And if it was in one hand, it was this, and other hand was that. And like nobody even, you know, the coaches are out there giving signals and it didn't mean anything. So yeah. I think that stuff, I mean, that's part of coaching. I think it's cool sure. when you, you know, you come up with different well, stuff kids, like that. Kids so. love it. Yeah, they do. Well, and Kel used to use when they're in the field, first name is one type of thing. If he uses your last yeah, we name, use it's that a, a lot. different kind of a... That was a Fairchild thing, too. Yeah. That was, you know, communication between uh, runners and batters and things like that. You know, I tell kids, like, when they're growing up playing baseball, stealing signs is part of the game, but getting caught, you know, that that's not cool. Like, you, you're going to get hit with a pitch when you get older if you get caught. So you got to learn, you know, when you're on second base, you can't yell to the batter, hey, it's, it's a, a fastball, fastball. coming. Like, you got to be able to signal that somehow without everybody knowing, so... You know, that, that's part of it, I think. Oh, it's sure. fun. It's what makes the games fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No question. Don't use your Apple Watch either. No, that's no, no. Thing. I don't have an Apple Watch, you so we're all set there. My wife has Watch. one. She still wants to know what difference it made. I, I don't I, on I, that. No, I have no concept, no idea. I don't even really want to know. Coach, I'll let you get back. I know you got to go work on power school. I know you're really excited about that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I got a little bit more time. I can hang out for a little bit if you okay, guys. Okay, you can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know what? Then I'll push the brake a little right. bit off. Okay, you can right. hang. That's good. How's your? Um, I believe you're you're familiar with your quarterback. How's he been? How's he been looking? I mean, that's going to be tough. This isn't your typical high school quarterback job, especially when right. you talked about the sort of offense and things that you're running. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, Wyatt's doing a good job of, of handling everything. He. Uh, you know, we really just tell him he, it's your job to put the ball in the hands of the guys that can really do something with it. So, um, you know, I mean, he's. I mean, he's lucky probably that he's grown up in my house and. I mean, literally, his this group has ran the spread offense since they were in the third grade. They were in the shotgun. So, um, you know, as a group, they know it pretty well, and, and that helps the quarterback when he doesn't have to tell everybody what to do. He can just kind of focus on his job. Uh, that makes it easier. But he, uh, you know, we ran the ball a little bit with him this weekend, which we hadn't done the previous weekend, kind of by design. Uh, but, he, you know, he had a big touchdown run on, on I think he went 70-something yards on one play. Um, he, he made pretty good reads in the option game. Um I think he was six for eight in the air. Um, no, he's he's doing his job. So 
you know, we're, we're pretty happy with, with where he is right now. And, you know, we went back and watched the film yesterday, and we've got some things for him to work on this week. And, uh, you know, I think he'll just keep getting better and better with, with the game reps every week. That's really what it takes of it. You know, if you're going to be an option team or just a team that relies on reads a lot, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, that decision-making has to be good. And, and, you know, it gets better with live game reps. So did, he always want to be a, did he always want to be a quarterback? He really has been a quarterback since way back when. He's always, for a smaller kid, he's always had a really good arm. And uh, so I think that was kind of the first initial draw was he, he could probably throw it just as far as any of the bigger kids when he was little. And uh, they, I think, you know, his, the first year he, he played, I, I think they stuck him there knowing he was, you know, my kid or, or whatever. And, um, you know, he started playing there and he's been there ever since. He's never, never really done anything else. You know, because somebody asked me, it's all I ever wanted to be. Always wanted to be a quarterback. Yep. How about you? Did you always want to be a quarterback? Um, you know what? When we started, they, they just plugged me there. And then once I started doing it, I, I really liked it. I mean, I was, you know, probably like a lot of coaches, I was a little bit of a, an X and O nerd growing up, you know, like, um, you know, I always enjoyed that part of the game. And if you do, I think that just lends itself to being a quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think he really enjoys it. I think he, it, probably for him, it's real similar to playing point guard in basketball. Um, you know, you're kind of directing things and. Um, you know, you, you're kind of the guy that starts with the ball, so I, I think he likes that. So another position we both played, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing. And the so. shortstop. Yep. <laughs> the uh, I was saying to somebody, the uh, my my junior <coughs> in high school, uh, Bump Hadley came to Brewer to be the coach, and he invited me down. He, he lived oh maybe a mile down the road for me, and uh, he invited me over, and he said, "Let's throw the ball a little bit." He didn't like my motion. Yeah, yeah. And he he revamp my whole motion how to throw how to think about throwing and we started watching film i knew everybody's assignment on every play so he said if you get in the huddle you call planes one of the guards looks at you like huh you can say you're gonna pull right <laughs> you can tell him what he's supposed right. to do so uh, uh it's good he and he's handling the communication piece well because there's a lot of like pre-snap stuff that we ask the quarterback to kind of communicate with some different guys on the field so uh you know we, we we're, we're on pace, I think. It's going to be a tough game, you know, this week with MCI. That's a tough team to start with. Um, they're, they're pretty big up front. And, uh, you know, the, the Buzzle kid is back for them. It was a lineman who they moved to fullback late in the year. Yeah. Um, and was a big part of, you know, with him and Bertrand in the backfield together. I think that was a, a pretty powerful running force um, for them. So, you know, he, he Buzzle's back and, and the quarterback's back. He's a pretty athletic kid. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a tough matchup week one. Coach, you seems to me you were one of the early guys to adapt the spread offense of some sort. I, I believe that you've adapted it over time different in different directions because it seems to me when you started it, it was almost like the wing T from a running attack from spread formation. Yeah. And it's evolved into the read, the zone read, uh, the, the spread offense with a passing attack. Yeah, I, I think one of the big developments in the spread offense has been the the amount of reading that you do on the field, and and you know we always like to maintain a concept every week of, well, if we can't block their best player, maybe we don't block him, which yeah. sounds you know odd, but maybe we don't block him and we read him so that he can't be right, and uh, you know we we've we've had some good success with that, and then you kind of have to figure out all right, well if their best player is a linebacker, how can I do that, or if their best player is a defensive end, how do I do that. And then you also have to think of how can I fit that to my quarterback skill set? Well, you know, what can he do? Um, you know, and, and then that kind of dictates how you do it. But, yeah, our offense, uh, you know, I, 
the the middle school guys, you know, always come up and you know they're like, "Is the offense changing this year?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's changing for us, but not for sure. you guys. You, you know, you're you're running the same stuff, yeah. but when, when we get them, we kind of the numbering system's it. the same and all those things." Yeah, and, you know, we started as as we actually ran the wishbone the first year. I was at Levitt, if you can believe that, and uh, then uh, the following year we had. Uh, uh, our, our quarterback didn't come back, and, and that was kind of unexpected, and we had some other guys. And uh, the guy we ended up going with had difficulty with the snap under center, and uh, he was going to return the following year, and he just fumbled a lot of snaps. And, uh, you know, we in the offseason, we started, you know, because we had always been kind of a half-and-half half team that year of shotgun under center, and, you know, we went around, and, and our original version, if there's any football geeks out there, there's a guy named Tony DeMeo who, uh, was at Charleston at the time, but he's kind of bounced around a lot of different southern schools, smaller level schools, but uh, he was kind of the father of the, the spread triple option. And uh, so we kind of started that way, and then we really started to adopt some wing T type things with the jet sweep and, and the, you know, the counters and things like that. And then, you know, over time, it's just evolved. It, it really, you know, I tell guys all the time, you're at the limit of your own creativity. Like, if you think it up, you can, you can do it. I mean, some of the things that we're doing, sometimes I scratch my head at, at how we actually do it, but they handle it pretty well. I've said one of the early years when uh, at Skowhegan, when we were running the veer with a wide dive, people hadn't seen it. Right. And all of a sudden, the ends got the dive. He he can't do it. Right. It's not what he's ever been taught. Yep. And as soon as he starts going for that, then your quarterback's around the corner. You can arc your end. I mean, it created... A so the, nightmare. I think Coach Haley used to say all the time, "Is is the last guy with the chalk, right? That's how the game evolves. <laughs> yeah, like right. the, the defense figures out how to stop something, and then the offense has to figure out how to, uh, you know, how to counter that or how to expose them for, you know, uh, overshifting too much to something or, or whatever. So it's just been this constant battle over time of, you know, guys figure out how to stop something, and, and then you figure out how to expose them for that, and and then it goes back and forth until. You're the last guy with the chalk, I guess. I've told the story about when we put that in, Joey Clark was our our offensive tackle. You know, 195 in those days, pretty good size pretty tackle. Good size, but yeah. played, he was an All-American at Maine Maritime, so he could play. He yep. got a lot bigger. Uh, and so the plan was he's going to post and we're going to lead. And so we got a solid on the on the 50 tackle, and then we're going to wide dive the, the uh, defensive yeah. end. Yep. And if he and if you can kiss off and pick up the linebacker, woo, we're talking we're off to the races. Right. Well, so we put it all in the whole team. Joey Joey Clark raised his hand. I said, Yeah, Joe. And I'm thinking, well, What the hell does he want to know? Post lead. What is? He goes, What if I don't want a double team? I go, What? And he goes, well, I don't. I can block that guy. So well, Joe, you don't even know who you're playing against. He said, <laughs> I can block him like that. I said, well, I'll tell you what, Joe. We'll, I mean, I had faith in the kid. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Early in the game, you tell me whether you can block him. if you can. Now we'll arc the end. Right. Whew. It, now we're talking blocking the safety with the tight end. Yep. I mean, it was touchdown city. No, I because, think that's a, you know, because that's. Because he could block the kid. Right. It's, that's a big part of, of coaching now. I think when you game plan, you're trying to find matchups. You know, I mean, we're constantly trying to figure out, like, all right, who can get their guy one-on-one. I mean, we, we two for two in zone block a, a lot. Um, but, you know, if, if guys know, well, I'm more likely to be the guy that chips off or sometimes we know, like, our tackle can handle this guy. We don't need the tight end and we can send him down inside for another guy or whatever. So I think that's a lot of the kind of cat and mouse game between the offense and the defense over the course of a season. See, can you tell why everybody likes coaching? It really <laughs> is fun to think about what, what to do and how to teach him how to do it. No, it, it is, and if you look, you know, just at our schedule this year, I mean, we're going to square off with MCI week one, and obviously Coach Bertrand is a pretty accomplished, you know, coach there, and then Coach Veyu down at Yarmouth week two, 
Uh, you know, he's he's a great young coach, and he's did, really done a nice job down there at Yarmouth. They've been a little bit down the last couple of years, but it's, it's you know, they're a little light on numbers. Uh, but they certainly, you know, they're, they're in Aaron Filio the next week. So, it's you know, it just seems like week after week we're going against some pretty good staff. So, uh, you know, that I think that's what we all enjoy, you know, is, is the, the back and forth like that. So, No question about that. Coach Mike Hathaway from the Levitt Hornets are in action this Friday night against the MCI Huskies, the defending state champion MCI Huskies. They are. They are. They're, uh, we went and watched them up at Foxcroft uh, last Friday, and uh, they're, they're really, really big up front. I mean, across the board, I, I, I would guess that all five of their offensive linemen are bigger than all of our offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, our biggest guy is not as big as any of their guys. So, uh, that you know, that's, that's going to be a good a good matchup of kind of speed and, and strength, and we'll see what we can do there. And uh, then, you know, the Buzzle Kid I mentioned back at fullback and uh, big, I mean, big old tailback too, and uh, I think a couple wideouts that run around pretty good. So, uh, and, a, and a very stout defense. They, uh, you know, they, they stuff the run pretty well. Um, you know, we saw them in the scrimmage against BAPS uh, when, when we swapped that film with them, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure they gave up 10 yards total to, to BAPS. So, uh, they're, they're pretty good, so it'll be an interesting, you know, they're, they're definitely a much more kind of, you know, ground and pound team, if you want to use that term, and, and you know, probably we're, we're not so much that. Uh, so it's definitely a contrast to styles, but, um, you know, it'll be a good game, I think. Do you um, do you think, because uh, we're getting ready to, you know, watch the Patriots in action, I, I keep thinking as Sony Michelle gets back to practice for the Patriots, I keep thinking that Belichick, who always seems to be on the front line of these things, is going to start re- using the running game more this year. Now, I have no idea if that's true or not, but can you can you effectively use the, the running game uh, without in, in a different level? Can you use the running game uh, so that you can use it almost as a as an extra defense? I mean, I know a lot of people do that for time possession, stuff like that. Right. Is that something you can successfully do? Because to me, I think that's going to be the way that may be the best way for the Patriots to win game this year is to shorten shorten the game and keep their keep their offense on the field. Yeah, I mean, we you know we went to Kennebunk two years ago in the one eight playoff game. Our last year in B, and uh, you know we were two and whatever two and six going into that game, or two and seven, and uh, you know Kennebunk was undefeated, and and we lost by two, and that was kind of exactly the philosophy we went with. We watched the referee go right down. You know they count the last five seconds of the play clock in high school, so we didn't snap the ball until the referee started counting every time, and and, you know we said we're going to run the ball, you know almost every play except when we get a chance to go for one, we're going to go for one like. We're not going to try just throw on third and long. Like we're going to, you know, we get a first down. We're going to take a shot down the field and see if we can get a touchdown. And uh, you know, we hit two big pass plays in that game, and you know, we were right there. So, and, and teams have done that to us to, to slow the game down in the past as well. I, you know, and it's frustrating when you're on the other side of that because you, you're just standing there watching as, as they're waiting to run the play. So, and and if you can, you know, just move the ball enough to get a few first downs and really shorten that game, that's that's why a lot of teams go to that double wing offense. You know, is they you can just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and really not have any negative plays, and just hope that the game shortens and you get enough first downs to win. So, it can be effective for sure. All right, I'm just on the lookout for that. I, I just see Sony Michelle back at practice. Ivan Fears talking how great he is, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just, you know, I'm looking. I don't know. The game of football to me is 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 always is. It seems like 2008 
And we, uh, me and Wing talked about this yesterday. It seemed like, and, and Mike Dusso uh, joined us as well. Yep. It seemed like 2008 was kind of the end of, of running backs and, and teams with the best running games winning. Right. You know what I mean? So it's been about 10 years now. You wonder if that's going to continue to evolve like that or, or shuffle back. So It seems to me like the time that the Patriots run the ball a lot is when you would expect them to the least. <laughs> right. You know, like that's almost the way most of their game plans go. It's like, you know, they're, they're like going the Costanza, like we're just going to do the opposite of what you would think. <laughs> you know, like, you know if, if, if you think Brady's going to be in no huddle and they're going to try to throw the ball 50 times, then they're probably going to run it 40 instead. Um, uh, just my observation over the years, that seems to be the way it, it goes. So, uh, you know, I, it's hard to tell with them. And, and they, they're always, I mean, over the course of a season, they're just so different with what they do. Um, it seems like they could win them a lot of different ways uh, offensively. So, I worry, though, when you become – it's what happened to the Indianapolis Colts. When Peyton Manning was there, they threw the ball so much, they couldn't do anything else. And so once you stop that pass game, they're done. And they, how many games did they ever win? They won regular season games. They never won any playoff games. Right. Not very many, anyway. I, I think a more balanced attack, and if they could run more, I think that saves Brady. I think so. I, you know, I, I, we'll see how, how Sony is, but I, I think their other running backs are more built for, you know, it's almost more of a Bill Walsh type yeah. of a, approach where we're going to, you know, our run game really is going to be our short, short pass game. Pass it's going to be the shallow crosses. It's going to be the backs on the shoot routes and the angle routes out of the backfield. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of that, especially where they look a little thin at, at wide out right now. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, you don't know. Even though they didn't play that well against Carolina, that's what they did. Right. They they did all the little slip screen, the quick pass to the back in the back out of the backfield, because linebackers have trouble with that. They always have, so could see that. Uh, I did read an article the other day that youth uh, uh, high school uh, youth stuff down around the country uh, participation down around the country over over the same time last year or something like that. Yep. Um, Forty six thousand less kids playing football. How is, how is that? Uh, is it the same case in Levitt? Are you getting in, 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 in the surrounding uh, youth things down a little bit or about uh, the same? Yeah. it's. I mean, we have 53 on our roster right now, and we only have seven uh, seniors. So, you know, we feel okay. We have a really big freshman class and a really big junior class, and then our sophomore senior classes are kind of kind of smallish. So um, it's definitely a trend, though. When you talk to everybody all over the state, there's definitely people talking about, you know, we've got a smaller roster this year. Um, you know, I know Foxcroft was in that boat. They're, they're a team that usually carries in the 50s or so, and, and uh, they were a little down when we saw them the other night. Um, you know, in our youth program right now, our, you know, our eighth grade class is a, you know, a medium-sized class, I would say, for eighth grade. They get around 18 kids, but our seventh grade class has like 26. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think it your, comes and goes a little bit. And your school numbers are down. Our school I mean, numbers that, are down, too, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're down in the mid-500s for, for students and you know, ten years ago we were in the mid eight hundreds. Oh, so, they built that school for a right, thousand. Right. You know, that was so, the idea. You know, and in our youth program, you know, our our numbers are pretty good. Like we have, we have two fifth and sixth grade teams at over twenty kids apiece, and we have two third and fourth grade teams that are over twenty kids apiece. So, and there's been some years we've had three in in one of those groups. So, you know, we're we're doing okay, but. Um, you know, you definitely see it, you know, just every year you lose a few kids out of every class. So you really have to start when they're younger within the, you know, the mid-20s to make sure that you've got 15 by the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's a trend all around. And, you know, we've been 
I think the, the places that have had some success, they're not experiencing that trend quite as much. So, you know, we've, we've been a little bit lucky there. And I think the things that, that Mike talked about when he was on the show for the whole, whole uh, segment last time he was in about teaching kids proper technique and whatever, that, that word gets around. You know, we, you've watched the clips on TV where they show <laughs> Texas youth football and, I mean, people are nuts. They're, they're, they want their kids to just crack right. people and use their helmets and you got to be tough and all that kind of talk. And it scares the hell out of you when you think about the future for, right. for not only those kids, but for football in general. I think your idea of you teach kids the proper way from the youth right on up, I think as a parent, you look at that and you go, oh, okay. I mean, you might. Yeah, I mean, we I you know, could play that. A great example. We had a, a middle school game with Lewiston. It was the the opener there, Saturday night for our seventh and eighth graders. So there was two games there, and um, you know we played real well. Our kids did a great job. They were super physical, which you know this early in the season you don't normally see. But we had a you know there's a situation where a, a player caught one short on a pass, and there was another player coming back to block a guy who was chasing him. Which they, you know they've changed that rule now. When you right. make that block, you have to make it with open hands. And you have to hit him with your hands. You can't contact him with your shoulder or certainly with any part of your helmet. And, you know, I mean, kids at middle school, they're not aware of those rule changes or whatever. And our kid came in and made a great block and hit him with the shoulder and whatever. And, um, you know, we kind of gathered everybody up. And it was kind of in front of the parents and, and just said, look, you know, like we love the enthusiasm. Like you're blocking for each other. You're doing the right thing. But that rule's changed. And, and you know, that block's out of the game now. you got to come in with open hands. And, you know, you got to think of it. If you're on the other end of that and you can't see it coming, that's not a great situation for you. So, right. you know, as football players, we have to have a mutual respect for each other that, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to take advantage of a situation like that to try to hurt somebody. We're still going to block them. We're going to come back. We're going to hit them with open hands. We're going to make the play. Uh, but we're going to do it, the you know, the right way within the rules, but just also a right way in the right way with the respect for an opponent. You know, I mean, we're going to play against you as hard as we can, but at the same time, you're playing the same sport we are. So, you know, we tried to make that point to the kids and also make that point to the kids in front of their parents. So, I, you know, I think stuff like that can go a long way. Absolutely. That's weird. That's a, that's a good way to handle it. I, that's why I say it's weird, because a lot of people don't handle it like no, that. That's you right. know what I mean? Right. So. No, I, no. Well, we talked about... Um, you know, we see a lot of youth coaches coach the way they were coached, which is a long time ago. Right. Everybody running laps and yelling and screaming and thrashing around. And I, I just don't think that's what we need. And uh, I, I, I'm i pleased that most of the programs that we see in this general area have, have been enlightened. I think they, they really have looked at what's good for kids, what's good for the game. Uh, like you say, honoring an opponent. I, I've been very pleased with the with the things I've seen, Coach. I, I did want to ask you while you're in here any yeah. uh, any thoughts on the passing of Mike Haley. I feel like you've got a few, maybe. Yeah, couple. absolutely. That's like a whole a whole segment, probably. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, obviously uh, that it's been a sad, uh, you know, a little bit of a sad week for the the football community, but at the same time, uh, just a good week of remembrance of everything that Mike's done. Uh, you know, for us and, and just for the game of football in, in general in Maine. And there's been a lot of great, you know, Mike Haley stories. And, um, you know, I know we, a few of us spent a, a night a few nights ago at a, at a local establishment toasting a few to, to, to Coach Haley in some ways that he, uh, he certainly would have enjoyed hearing for sure. So, um, you, know, I, I, you know, Mike coached with us uh, for a period of time. He was an administrator in our building. Um, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, we, you know, we – we get a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, probably a lot of press or whatever you want to call it for our spread offense and the things we've done there. But we've been a pretty good defensive team over time. And 
um, you know, really a lot of that came when we shifted to the 52 defense. And, um, you know, that shift was a lot of Mike Haley. Mike was our secondary coach at the time, and uh, he and Chris Gray were, were working on the defense together. And, and that's really where I learned a lot of the principles of, of the 52 from. And I was lucky to, to have him. And, the, and then, uh, you know, Jim Hurson, who did study a lot with John Wolfgram, he, he was kind of our secondary coach after that. So uh, really the evolution of our defense, a lot of it started with, you know, a lot of conversations that Mike and Chris and I had you know, way back when about different ways to do things and, you know, what you can do out of that defense. And, you know, Mike was a really good X and O guy. Um, you know, he, he really was, a, you know, just a, a big proponent for, for coaches. You know, I mean, as a young coach, you know, for me to have a guy who had been a head coach right in my building that I could talk to every day, um, you know, having him and Doug Conn around and, and, you know, Skip Capone, I would put, you know, up there too. Like, those guys encourage coaches all the time and they're, you know, they're, they're not shy about giving you advice. If they see you doing something wrong, they'll tell you. And, and if you're doing something well, they, w they would tell you. Um, and, you know, Mike was that way. He's, you know, I can think of plenty of times when I've seen him either, either come and get me with the Vulcan death grip or, you know, I know I've seen him grab Danny O'Connell, who's a pretty big dude up at BAPS, and he's grabbed Danny a few times. And, uh, you know, just let you, you know, like, hey, you, you can't do that like that. Or, you know, it, you know here's something you got to remember. Or, or, or sometimes it's just, hey, you know, what you're doing is really good. Keep it up. You know, you're doing a great job. So, uh, you know, and the, the work Mike's done in our coaches association, which, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that because they're not part of that thing or whatever. But uh, really, you know, if it wasn't for Mike and, and Skip over the years, I don't think the main football coaches association or the Lobster Bowl, either one of them, uh, maybe would have survived or, or thrived the way they are now. So uh, those, those, guys have, those, those guys have been awesome. And Mike, you know, he was just a, a great sense of humor too. You know, great guy to take a scouting trip with. Uh, Mike loves scouting trips. Um, you know, and, and he actually, I mean, he, he's a great scout, too. That was another thing that, that was really good about him. Um, you know, a, a copious note taker, um, you know, and, and I always say a good scout's got a good eye. They can see it and then just write it down and only have to see it once. And, you know, Mike was, was kind of that way, too. And uh, absolutely, without question, the best, uh, <laughs> probably not the most appropriate, but the best concussion test. Uh, I remember we were at Brewer one year. We had this pretty good running back, slot receiver named Brock Hardiker. who was really, really fast, and it was a playoff game, I think, and Brock went over the middle and made this great catch, and then he just you know, pretty much got sawed in half by the free safety, but held onto the ball, and everybody's cheering, and you know, it was a first down, and, and you know, we need, I think we just needed one more first down to win the game, but Brock stayed down. So I'm walking out on the field, and, and Mike was up in the booth on the headset. <laughs> he says, uh, ask him what color an orange is. <laughs> You know, in Mike's voice, and he says, if he can answer, he's fine. So uh, that that one, uh, I think our coaches always joke, anytime a kid's down, when we go up there, hey, ask him what color the orange is. Oh, if he knows we're great. good, which, you know, in, in this day and age probably isn't, you know, that's definitely not the way we do it. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it was that, you know, he always had little sayings like that that were just, uh, they were they were really funny. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll miss him for sure. Yeah. He will be, uh, he'll be missed by all of us. I, I told him when Todd Sampson was on, Haley called me right while we were on the air, and his picture came up on my screen. First thing Samson said, who played for Midiel, Zonk. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, yep. you know, I mean he had sayings <laughs> that... Uh, yes, he did. He also had the, the joke that I've heard it a zillion times, and it's just as funny every time, that, that ends with, he thinks he knows you. Um, so that was, you know, it's, it's kind of an old main, like you can't get there from here type of joke or whatever. But uh, Mike was great with the one-liners and stuff like that. He was, uh, he was, he was funny. He could, he could hold court. For sure. Oh boy. Um, you know, you get to those uh, those coaches' clinics uh, with Mike, and you know, you you get after hours there, and and uh, he 
he could tell us some good ones. I said one year when it was here in Auburn, I went over. I was not coaching anymore, but I started to stop over and see who was there and whatever. And so Mike Coast was checking people in. So he had people checked in. And then in comes Gabby Price. Um, and I can't remember who the, who the other one was. Anyway, we ended up standing outside of one of the doors to go into the clinic. Never went in. Right. We, oh, yeah. we just stood there telling yep. stories and talking and... and uh, it's hard to check in at the the coach's clinic because Mike is at the front table, and you know he's gonna he's gonna squeeze everybody's hand till it turns purple, and and then talk to you for a few minutes before you go through. So that line's always always pretty long, uh, but that that was you know we'll, we'll miss certainly miss him sitting at the table this Boy, this spring, sure. and, and I'm sure the coach's clinic this spring will be a I'm sure we'll take some time to uh, to remember and and. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, he'll, Mike's going to be watching a lot of games this fall, so we'll, we'll all make sure, those of us that have worked with him, we'll, we'll make sure we do things the right way so he's not disappointed. Levitt head football coach Mike Hathaway joined us in studio. It's time for us to take a commercial break and wrap this thing up. It's a B-List Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network. You're listening to the B-List Daily on Sports Time Maine, AM 780, WTME. Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list. The orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all-star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com ortho. 